action. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined uh, by Obi today, so just a two-man session at the moment. How are you? I am very well, friend. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, well, this is the first pod since cinemas have reopened in the UK, mm. so um, we've both been uh, a couple of times and we'll talk about what we've seen uh, in a little bit. Um, but first of all, to kind of just do some film news, uh, trailers and stuff, um, there was a, a trailer for the Friends Reunion, which uh, I don't think has a UK release yet, because I don't think anyone snapped up the rights, but I no. imagine go to Sky. Yeah. But yeah, what did you make of it? All of the characters, what is it, 25, 30 years on? Yeah, was it, I think it ended in 2003, so what's that, like, uh, almost 20 years there. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool, like, I think, we've, like, every couple of years you'd get a rumour saying, oh yeah, they're coming together for a reunion episode, blah, 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 and, like, I was always part of the crew who never really wanted that, because I feel like Friends is kind of like, it was like lightning in a bottle, so, like, if you tried to package that with the same people, the same characters, 20 years later, like, Humor's, like humor and sitcoms have moved on from that generation so we all, like if we had the same thing now it would be so cringy and I don't think anybody would like it so the fact now that you're just doing a reunion it's just people like them just chatting presumably chatting about their time on the show and like, what they did before during and after I think is so much better and like I don't know if you watched it but they did one for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as well HBO Max um, oh, and no. I really uh, yeah, well, I, I really enjoy that. I like, got all the cast back, um, like even some of the, like the um, Aunt Viv who was the first one before they replaced her, and like go seeing them like go over different things in their career and reminiscing about the past. It was really like enjoyable and like maybe like get into my feels about you know when I used to watch them when I was a child. So I'm hoping that this does exactly the same because I would say I was probably a bigger Friends fan than I was a Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan, and I really enjoyed the Fresh Prince of Bel Air one. So I'm hoping that this one I enjoy a lot as well. So yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. But they all look super old. Like none of them aged well, apart from <laughs> Courtney, apart from Courtney Cox looks okay, but the rest of them, yikes. Yeah, yeah, it, the time is uh, not being too kind to not some of them. Um, yeah. I think it's good that they haven't done like a a legitimate episode, you know, yeah, like it'll be the one weird. twenty years later, because mm-hmm. inevitably you'll get people who are frustrated or upset with how it happens. Mm. Um, so them just getting together and reminiscing and they're being like guest stars. That's cool. Mm. Um, I'm not going to like rush to watch it, but yeah, I'm sure for the avid Friends fan, which I was not, not because I don't like it. It's just I never really watched it. Um, yeah. So I'm sure they'll love it. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be I guess uh, all of the people that watched it are now, you know, approaching 30 or in their 30. Mm. So it's interesting to see how everyone react to that um for sure for sure and um, oh sorry actually gone so you're gonna say well i was just gonna say talking of trailers are there any that you saw in the cinema uh that you hadn't seen before or made you sort of you know bit like oh i've seen the fast and furious trailer on the big screen now rather than my phone screen like what's... yeah um uh to be fair, well, I've been to cinema twice this week. The first one, there wasn't any trailers. They just started showing the film, which I was surprised by. Um, oh, really? And then the second one, yeah, it was well, one watching to see Lord of the Rings, and they just show. I imagine because maybe because it's an old film, they just decided to just fucking start showing it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, 
that is yeah, me into it, then fuck it <laughs> <laughs> um, No fault. The second way. one, in it, straight, straight to the, straight to the point. You know what I mean? Uh, the second one uh, was when I went to see Spiral. Uh, oh no, I went to him three times this week. So, second one was when I went to see Spiral. I saw that Demon Slayer, Demon Slayer trailer you were talking about. It is quite strange, to be fair. Yeah, so it's like. There's like some weird subtitle. Well, obviously it's subtitles because it's Japanese, but like the way mm. they do it is, it's not like it's introducing a film. It was, I thought there was like they were introducing the musician as well. It was like with music by blah blah blah. It sort of felt like um, I don't know, like a BBC Two documentary <laughs> about like some train operator. I thought it was just one of the most bizarre trailers I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, not your traditional Hollywood kind of this, that, and the other. It was like th- there was quotes as well, wasn't there? Like, oh, you have mm. to use your sword to save the world. I was like, I don't mm. know what's going on here. <laughs> it, was very, it was very strange. Um, that being said, are you planning to go see it? No, <laughs> no. I'll probably, I'll, to be honest, I probably will, just because there's not a lot out at the minute, you know. Um, and then what else? What else did I say trade for? I saw a trade for. I think it's called Monster Hunter. I don't know if you saw that trailer or not. Yeah, the Miller Jovovich one. Yeah, and I've never seen that trailer before. Like, have you? I've, that film was complete news to me. I'd heard that it was like a thing, but okay. I didn't... I mean, I had no idea what it was. It's basically just Resident Evil, but with monsters instead of zombies, isn't it? Mm, that's what it looks like, to be fair. And I thought it looked... That looks like, that's like a like your typical, like... Uh, like well, we'll talk about it later, but like a Godzilla versus Kong kind of situation. And just a bit of like dumb fun, I guess. So you know, oh, I, I thought the trailer looked okay. To be fair, um, yeah. Apart from that, mm, I don't think I saw any. I don't think I saw any trailers that I haven't already seen. To be fair, I think those were only those were only original ones. What about you? Yeah, uh, I think the same. Um, I'm trying to think because I saw the unholy. Um, Oh, there was a trailer for Cruella in front of that, which I hadn't mm. seen that trailer before. It was the one featuring um, Emma Thompson, um, oh. who I didn't know was in that film mm. uh, until that trailer. So the, it, it's actually like that trailer made it look like a lot darker. And it looks like, alright, yeah. Horror-esque. I was getting kind of like Joker vibes from it, kind of. Yeah, and it is rated twelve, so mm. it's you know that's quite um, bold from. Disney to have like yeah. going from 101 Dalmatians to like Cruella um, so yeah I think Emma Stone looks well cast in that anyway I don't yeah. know how, how she'll actually be but I'll be seeing that next week or within the next week yeah me too I think out. so yeah um, just I'm quickly oh yeah, sorry no, I'll no, no, keep no. interrupting you um, I think there's a lag oh sorry um, I was going to say uh about film news that uh, Attack of the Block Attack of the Block 2 is in development I don't know if you wanted to talk about that at all yeah I mean it's a bit of a surprise to me to be honest um, I think it, it's been 10 years since the first one and mm. I remember enjoying it but I think I feel like maybe it was of, of its time because you had like the mm. sort of roadman teenagers sort of fighting mm. um monsters or aliens or whatever it was and it was like comedic but violent and like similar time to like another hood you know that sort mm. of um street kind of satire type thing so mm. 
now that John Boyega is such a big star, I I don't know. It's sort of like, do you try and redo what made the first one successful, which would, you know, potentially undermine the first one, and and you just think, oh, why did you bother? Or I don't know. I don't I, I don't know if if there's a need for it, but yeah. What? Well, I think so. I think the way they got to handle it is so basically. When Attack the Block came out, we were so like we were teenagers, so like our generation, I feel like, recepted really well to that film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you bring out this film now, a lot of people who were fans of the film then are going to watch this film now. So you, and and we've all, well, probably I'd say probably like a good chunk of us have all like grown up and matured. So you can't go into that film making it all like uh, road run this, road run that, blah 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 blah, because I think we'll find it quite cringy. What I think you need to do is John Boyega's character needs to be like a mature adult who's kind of like evolved past that kind of thing. But then there also needs to be maybe younger side characters who are still in that, you know, um, in that air, in that in that mind space that maybe his character was in 10 years ago. Then that will kind of like show us that like he's evolved as well, like he's matured as well as, as like we've matured. And then we can see. Um, how he might ha- navigate the younger kids, and also those younger kids might um, be relatable for younger kids who are watching in real life, who were us ten years ago, if that makes sense. And then maybe yeah. he could be like the was it is it Jodie Foster who's in that film? Is it Jodie Foster? Oh, uh, Whitaker. Jodie Whitaker, that's it. So he, maybe he could be that character for for the for the kids kind of thing in this in this version of the film, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's yeah. kind of the way that they should that they should approach it, but who knows. But I'm excited. I'll watch it. I'll definitely go see it. But whether I, I think I said in the group chat, I think it'll be really good or really bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's going to be um, interesting to see how they approach it. I will definitely need to rewatch Attack the Block beforehand yeah, as well because um, I don't really remember much of it, and it literally would have been like ten years since I saw it. But yeah, yeah. no, I mean. We all, we're getting these belated sequels now, aren't we? I think Top Gun 2 is coming out this year. Um, oh, yeah. And that's like 30-odd years after the first one. Mm. Uh, yeah, so well, it'll be interesting. I'm su- Do you know what I'm surprised about? Is we have, I don't think we've got a new No Time to Die release date, have we? Um, no, I don't think we have, you know. No, it's a good point. I, I'm just surprised. Um, I'm just going to look it up on the internet because you think like, you know, that film has been delayed for so long and MGM have got so much money tied into it that I would have mm. thought that as soon as cinemas reopened, they'd be like, right, put it in there. Um, but maybe they're waiting for like the for like July, like block, that's like blockbuster time, isn't it? Normally. So this is saying the thirtieth of September. Ooh. What this year? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. It's quite late. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, you think, like, so, there's not been, like, tons of choice at the cinema um, thus far. I mean, you've got a few new films, but they tend to be horror, so you've got Unholy and Spiral, uh, mm. and then you've got others like Godzilla vs. Kong, which, did it actually come out between the last two lockdowns or not? I can't remember. In the uh, cinema or? yeah. Yeah, no, this is the first time it being in the cinema. Oh, okay. But you're not getting, like, your massive franchise blockbusters, are you? Like, the Marvel have sort of 
taking a few weeks and no mm. time to die. And do you think that's because people aren't flooding back straight away? Yeah, I think they're waiting. Cause I think they'll be waiting for people to settle in. I think because it was unlike it was unlikely that people were going to be flooding back into the similar like the first week that it's open, the first few weeks that it's open. Um, because not like normal people, unlike us, are aren't as fussed about loads of the cinema. I feel like um, so like your casual goers are going to be like, oh, maybe we'll wait till it's a bit more like you know. So for us, for example, in the UK, maybe like after June twenty first, maybe people will be a bit more forthcoming to be like, okay, yeah, let's go cinema because now um, all the um, the restrictions are all, all down now, kind of thing. So I reckon that's yeah. part of it. I would say. Yeah, and I think you said in the group chat that you were what the only person to watch um, yeah right on the last dragon yeah i was the only one. Oh, finally <laughs> and what yeah. time was that was that, it like a, uh it was eleven forty-five, i think okay that's the prize that's obviously like a appealing to kids and all of that so yeah on a saturday morning yeah. i think there'd be okay. more human people hmm. yeah i mean when i saw Godzilla vs. Kong and The Unholy, I was one of four, I think. Um, mm. Which is, is strange. You sort of think, how are these cinemas actually going to make any money? Um, mm. Particularly as Odeon are doing their Limitless for half price for three months, which, you know, I bought a popcorn and a drink from the concession stand and it cost me more than my monthly tickets. You're a lunatic, mate. What are you doing that for? <laughs> I, I felt bad because they were like, the people with the concession stand were so friendly that, like, it was the day after they'd reopened. They're like, oh, hi, can I get you anything? And I was just felt guilt-tripped into doing it. Oh, I'm not going to make that mistake. I know. <laughs> Keeping the economy alive, mate. Clearly. It's got to be, it's got to be done. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, talk us through Raya and the Last Dragon then. Raya, Raya, whatever. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, Disney film. Um, I think it's... Uh, it come out on Premier Access, I feel like, in, I want to say in March. Um I don't know how successful it was at the time. And I think it's coming out on Disney Plus properly in the, within the next couple of months. Um, and yeah, it's basically a story about um, uh, a young girl who whose dad... Um, do you mind if I, if I spoil stuff? Or no, 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 no. no. Okay. Um, yeah, it's about a story. Uh, so it's like a land or a world, I'm not sure, in which there are like dragons and stuff. And these dragons have like magical powers and they would like bring rain and good fortune and stuff like that. Then you get these evil, like, I, I don't know what they're called, like, I don't know, monsters or blobs. They don't really have faces or anything. They're kind of just like, they just basically, these big blobs that turn people into stone. And apparently they were built from like human discord or human fear or something like that. Um, and but Basically, the dragons all sacrifice themselves to save the world. Um, and when they sacrifice themselves, they're left behind again. And then um, that one dragon gem caused people to like fight over it and started a war, started a divide on the earth, and the earth was divided into five different parts, like different parts of the dragon. So I think it was like uh, spine, fang, talon, tail, and heart, or something like that. Um, and the dragon gem was kept in the place where they called Heart. And every all the other lands were jealous of Heart because they thought that they got good fortune because they had the dragon gem in there. So everyone was beefing. And then um, Raya is the daughter of like the, the king or chief of uh, the Heart land. 
and basically he invites everyone to Heartland to say like let's all come together and be like one again like we stop fighting each other blah 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 um, and then they end up beefing um, they all try they all try to steal the the gem the heart the dragon gem it gets split into five pieces all five tribes take one and then because of this they split the dragon gem those blob things um, that's ten people to stone they all come back start ten people to stone and then it skips to a few years later Raya's got her one bit of the her sorry her dad got turned to stone as well and he said he like pushed her uh, out of the way to sac- to save her save her and sacrifice himself kind of thing um so yeah she's looking six years later she's look, got the dragon piece of dragon gem so she's looking for the other uh she's looking for the last there's a rumor that there's like a last dragon um that is like laying dormant like asleep somewhere so she's looking for that so then they can find the other pieces of the dragon gem and help save the world and turn people back into real people from stone um, so yeah, they find the dragon, and then basically they go off on an adventure, finding the other five pieces, whilst other people from other territories are like chasing them and challenging them, and stuff like that. And yeah, basically the whole stories are kind of like about because like they've all got in them, like no one in these lands trusts each other. Like everyone's like, oh, you're my enemy, blah 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 blah. So the whole things are kind of like about um, putting your trust in other people and letting them put their trust in you, and you sacrificing um, that to kind of like for the for the greater good. And, you know, they all come together in the end and save the world, blah, 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 blah. But, um, yeah, it's pretty decent to be fair. I quite enjoyed myself. Um, yeah. I don't really have much else to say to myself. I think it's a pretty, a pretty good film. I feel like if it come out in cinema in normal times, it'll feel like it would be pretty, pretty popular. Um, and you've got, like, I think I always appreciate it when, well, I feel like a lot of people will as well, when there's, like, a lead female character and she doesn't have, like, a, a romantic interest as well, as far as I'm, as far as I'm aware. Um, mm. Because obviously a lot of times it's like a like a prince charming type character. There isn't one in this. Just a bunch of like bunch of friends, a lot, uh, quite a few women, um, and lots of little girls as well, um, just hanging out and um, you know trying to teach each other different values and stuff like that. And yeah, man, I, I think it's a pretty good film. Like Disney rarely ever miss with these animated films, in it. So you know, to be yeah. expected. I mean, does it? You know, is it kind of funny enough for an adult, or is it? There were a couple moments where I, I did laugh quite a bit. I think Aquafina plays the voice of the dragon, the last dragon, um, yeah. and she's got quite like good comedic timing. Um, so yeah, she I found her quite funny. And there's also like this little baby who's like a who's like a con artist. They call her the con baby, and she's got like a um, like three monkeys or whatever, or like orangutans or whatever that help that help her out with her cons and stuff. That's pretty funny as well. Um, but yeah, overall, I wouldn't say it was like super funny, and it's not like like we were talking about soul. Or it's like that seemed like probably like super deep, like it's not like that either. I'd say this leans much more into like the um the kids side of it than like for adults and kids, if that makes any sense. Okay. Um but yeah, I might, nice. sure. might wait for it to come out on Disney Plus. <laughs> sure. But yeah, certainly not doing this premiere access but yeah, That's uh already paying enough for all of these subscriptions. Yeah. Uh, that's long. But so I mean from from the child-friendly um, Raya and the Last Dragon to the very child-unfriendly um, Saw spin-off, yeah. Spiral, um, produced by Chris Rock and mm. featuring Samuel L. Jackson. So that's a that's a strange genre for both of them to be playing in. Anyway. Very, very much so, yeah. As someone who, A, hates horror films and B, hasn't seen any of the Saw films, <laughs> what did you think? Um... Although I think it's not a bad film, right? Well, 
but it's not a good film. Um, it <laughs> it's not. To be fair, you said like it's not like really a scare thing. It's more of a gore thing. You're 100 percent correct. Correct. Um, I think there's maybe like one jump scare like near the beginning. Apart from that, it's not for me anyway. It wasn't very scary. But yeah, the, the beginning especially like there was so much like blood and gore and stuff. I was like, this is fucking buzz. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's just so like gratuitous and unnecessary. I'm just like, why would any why I was like, sitting there half something like, why do people actually like enjoy this? Like, it's fucking stupid. Um, personally, um, the actual story itself uh, was so fucking predictable. It's unreal. If you watch it, you will you will understand. I, I'm I'm certain you'll catch what's happening within about fifteen minutes. I I guarantee oh, okay. it. I guarantee it because like when some something happens. Um, like in the like in the middle of the film, you're like, well, that doesn't really match up with everything else that happened in the film. So obviously, this is to do with this. And I, I was like, I was watching, I was like, this is so fucking, <laughs> so like telegraphed, like it's so predictable. Um, so then yeah, when it comes to the end, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, that's not surprising at all. Um, <laughs> and then the way it ends is for me is fucking shit as well. But um, because I like like <laughs> I like conclusive endings, and the ending's not conclusive, so that was annoying. Uh, and um, just to try and keep it vague because I know you I'd like for you to watch it and then we can talk about it properly um, mm-hmm. and yeah Chris Rock's not not a great actor like he tried him and Samuel Jackson tried to like inject some comedy into it which I appreciated because it kind of like livened up a bit when I think there was like it was getting a bit boring it's only 90 minutes as well so it's not like it slogs or anything um, and he does this Chris Rock does this really weird thing where he just like I feel like ninety percent of the film he was just looking at people with squinted eyes, and I'm just like, "What are you doing? Just fucking look at them properly, you weirdo." Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he was okay. I mean, he's not he's not the greatest actor in the world, and you can tell that um, when he's acting with people who presumably are like actually like acting is like their first calling, whereas he's like comedian first, actor second. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, over the films, it's not great, and I wouldn't. I know you because you like that sort of stuff. So I'd say you go see it and we can talk about it. But if it was like a regular person, I'd say don't bother. Wait for it to come on Netflix or something. Okay. I mean, it does surprise me. You know, why would Chris Rock want to get involved in something like this? You know, Mm. it's a big change of direction for him. So maybe Mm. he just wanted to dabble. But But didn't didn't um, Jordan Peele say that thing about like comedy and horror being comedy and horror, (laughs) comedy and horror (laughs) being um, like really like close or something like that, or really like um, I don't know what he said, but he said that the two are like linked in some sort of way, which is why he kind of like always where he did get out whilst he was doing like comedy and stuff like that. I can't remember what he said on. Let's try and find. I mean, it is from like a like a response um, kind of point of view, so. You know, the feeling that you get when you laugh is is the anticipation and the release is, is similar to when you're scared and then you, you know, like when, yeah. sometimes when there's like a fake out or a jump scare, people will laugh, won't they? Because it's like all that yeah. tension finally dissipates. So maybe that's where he was coming from. But I mean, mm. you know, um, Danny McBride, who's done a lot of comedy with Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco, he, he wrote the last Halloween film and... I was like, I watched the Halloween film, and I was like, it's not, not doing anything like particularly groundbreaking. So, mm. you know, what is, I'm sort of like, what's the point? But, um, yeah. So it's not making you want to go and rewatch the other eight Saw films, then? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, it's not. It's really not my cup of tea. Speaking of not my cup of tea, can we talk about Modoc, please? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So, MODOK uh, is a stop uh, motion animation um, from Marvel, well, not Marvel Studios, but it's a Marvel character and it's on Disney Star. Mm-hmm. Um, following the eponymous MODOK, who is um, something, Mo- machine something killing. I can't remember what it's trying to find the actual uh and acronym um but yeah he's like this weird big-headed character who sits in his little hover chair mm. um okay it's mobile organism designed only for killing uh and yeah he's like is this megalomaniac kind of but also stupid and he runs a science lab called aim and um yeah, just sort of wants to take over the world, I think. Mm. Um, but it's done in the style of like Robot Chicken from like yes. Adult Swim, yes. mm. and it's just really bizarre. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they're trying to do with it or why they decided it was a good idea. I'm just not a fan. Like it's just not my. From when it first started, then like even that style of animation is just not my cup of tea at all kind of like reminds me of like Wallace and Gromit in a way I'm just like that I kind of hated always hated like if you're going to do animation for me I feel like it's either like it should just it shouldn't look like clay <laughs> like it's, yeah. it annoys me like that that style of animation just annoys me so from the start I was already like oh like tilting off board and then the actual show comes in and like it's just some really random like, off-key jokes and some like gory stuff but obviously it's like animated and I was just like nah this just isn't hitting for me like no I'm not a fan yeah the, the tone was weird um, and I also just felt like it was quite frenetic like it was just it was 25 minutes but felt a lot longer because it was just con- there was just so much stuff that they packed into it and mm. it was snappy and quick you know cutting between different scenes and I was just found it quite difficult to keep up with and mm. I mean Modok is a really random character but Maybe that's why they chose this, but yeah, um, not something I'm going to particularly, uh, you know, keep keep watching. So yeah, I might I, if because I think in America the whole thing's out now. Whereas I think we're getting one episode a week. So if they if people say, oh yeah, like after the first couple of episodes it really turns around, I might when it when all the episodes are out I might watch it. But yeah, it's not something I'm going to keep track of week to week. No. But uh, maybe it will fill the gap before Loki starts in like True. True. Which I'm very looking forward to. Me too. I'll have to do uh, episode reviews of that when it comes out. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, the first film I saw back at the cinema, not because I particularly wanted to watch this film, um, but I more just wanted to go and go to the cinema, mm. um, was Godzilla vs. Kong. So I've not seen the most recent Godzilla films, uh, neither of them. Um, But I don't think I particularly needed to very much. I sort of gathered what has happened um, from from the previous films. You know, he used to protect us and he killed the three-headed dragon thing. Uh, Mm. But I did see Kong Skull Island, which I thought was okay. Um, But yeah, this is... It's sort of exactly what I expected it to be, to be honest. Yeah. It's smash, smashy, smashy. I mean, <laughs> the the plot is so, like, 
contrived, I want to say, like the right term to use. So, like, you know, uh, so when, at the start of the film, when, um, uh, what's the name, Damien Bashir's character, he's he's, uh, the head of AIM, not AIM, um, the the lab. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah. And uh, and then Godzilla comes and destroys it, and they're like, "Oh, Godzilla's turned against us." And then I was like, mm. I was sort of on the same side as the podcast guy, Brian Tree Henry. I was like, "Well, you've already told me that he only is there to protect you, so you're clearly antagonising him." Yeah. And then just the, again, I hate this trope in film, but you're getting fucking jets and guns trying to shoot of like one like thousand foot tall dinosaur thing it's just absolutely ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) just like i mean this uh, you know this film is not supposed to be in any way shape or form realistic but even within those parameters of it being a monster film like some of it's just just ridiculous like i really struggled to grasp the scale of kong because um Sometimes he's standing next to skyscrapers and he's as tall as them. Mm. And then other times they manage to fit him onto a heli carrier um, when they're taking him down to like Antarctica. And I'm like, how are you fitting an ape that tall on a on a ship? And how is the ship not sinking due to his weight? Yeah. I know that's all ridiculous, but <laughs> I just really struggle to think like that. I don't know if they were keeping proportions. Um, and then. Then there's that whole hollow earth thing where they like yeah. go underground and, and it sort of got a bit tenet for a second. Well, it's like, just... just quickly on that, like, they kind of like, they go through one. So that theory, like, you know, you've seen the cartoons all the time. It's like, if you dig far enough into the earth, you end up in like China or something like that. Yeah. That's basically <laughs> what they did in this. Yeah. It's like, the other side of it was fucking Tokyo, whatever it was. I just thought it was so stupid. The actual world itself, the hollow earth bit, I thought it actually was quite cool. But the fact that they fucking dug out the other side and it was in bloody the other side of the world, I thought that was so fucking stupid. Did and it happened to be the place where the other, where Brian Tyree Henry and uh, the other the two kids they flew to, and it happened to be there as well. I was like, this is fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean, is that was that something that had been seeded in other films that Hollow Earth thing, or did they just quickly give you some exposition about it in this? Um, I'm gonna say, well, I feel like. I watched Godzilla, King of the Monsters, crap film, but um, that aside, uh, they talked about like God, like historically Godzilla being like like the 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 greatest monster, and there being other monsters like about like in the world's primitive years or whatever. But they never talked about the Hollow Earth thing. It was only now I feel like they mentioned the Hollow Earth thing. I, yeah, but I could be wrong because I can't remember that film too well. It was all just ridiculous. And then Colin oh. picks up the axe and you're like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's levelling up. A little, uh, I feel like, you know, I, I think you mentioned it at the time when you saw it, but most of those human characters did not need to be in the film. Honestly. Like, Juni- Julian Dennison's character, like, what, apart from spilling whiskey over the control panel to, you know, destroy Mechagodzilla, who mm. appears for about five minutes. That whole thing was... I, I, I think that's like an actual thing that's like it's like his, Mechagodzilla is like a historical character in this like saga. Fair enough, but I just thought the whole idea of like a a robot 
Godzilla. We just I didn't like it. I would have thought preferred if they kind of like manufactured their own Godzilla out of like like genetically kind of thing, like genetic manipula- manipulation or something like that. And it was an actual like living being would have been better. But then obviously how they killed it with them spilling coffee on the fucking dashboard, whatever the hell it was. So or whiskey, whatever. It yeah, was. I mean, that whole kind of subplot was was so rushed. Mm. You sort of think like Mecha Godzilla could have been like a villain of its own film and I don't know I just I never again this sounds like a ridiculous comment but I never really bought the kind of feud between Godzilla or Kong it was just they (laughs) they just kind of they're natural born enemies but there was no really real reason to why they were enemies I feel like it would have been cool to have like a flashback of like their ancestors fighting or something but it just felt very forced it was like we just want these characters to punch each other so how do we shoehorn Mm. it in and Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was exactly what I expected, to be honest. Mm. And you just think, like, when they're throwing each other through skyscrapers in Hong Kong, which is one of the most densely populated cities yeah. in the world. There's about it's six just... million people dead, probably. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, there would just be, like, the odd cut to someone on the street going, ah, and you're like... And there's multiple casualties. <laughs> it was rid- uh, yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, to be fair, this is one of the things where I, like... Uh, this is completely off off topic, but like the, one of the things I appreciate about um, Invincible because people actually died in that when they were fighting, when people were fighting and stuff. Like they were actual casualties and you saw them. Whereas films like this, like and obviously, like, for example, like Power Rangers or whatever, like there's obviously thousands of people who are going to be dead in this because you are knocking over all of the buildings in like a fifty mile radius. <laughs> like yeah. regardless of people if they get out of the building even when they're trying to get away the buildings are probably going to fall on them as well and even when when they when when Godzilla knocks down Kong or vice versa he's probably crushed about 2,500 people just by falling over <laughs> he's lost people do you know what yeah. I mean like but anyway you, guys, you can't really focus on things like that for stuff like films like this because then you know you get bogged down in the whole like rigmarole of oh you know is Godzilla is Godzilla a murderer and people probably bring up think pieces and blah 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 you know it's all a bit stupid what I like doing is is for these films where the people are you know in it just for the money which I don't blame them but mm. when they and they're in it for like very short amount of time in a character shit like how they describe it on, in like press so Isa Gonzalez who was like the daughter of the Apex mm. guy she's like she, this is for a quote uh, she describes her role as a very smart woman behind a company uh, slightly comedic and enjoys the fact that she's a Latina woman in a high position not into a stereotype I was like what did what? you do apart from being like generic yeah, villainous hell like, <laughs> not comedic at all not funny and then Julian Dennison's character so he goes his character's a nerd Madison is his only friend that's Millie Bobby Brown's character uh, he's a tech wingman and the realist he kind of brings it he'll say we shouldn't do that because we'll die whereas Millie Bobby Brown will say no, it's fine. So I think they play very well and they're a good mix of crazy. What? Mm. Like, where are you getting this from? Like, are you doing an English essay and you have to bullshit? Like, what is going on? Things like that make me think that they must have cut stuff out of the film. Nah, they're just, they're just good at blowing hot air. Well, it's because, because all his character did was follow Millie Bobby Brown around. Like, the, the, if you'd cut his character out, there would have been absolutely... exactly the same, yeah. Could have had one of the others to spill their drink, which, you yeah. know, again, whatever. 
Yeah, yeah. spending too much time on that. But people yeah. really enjoy these films. It's really weird. I don't get it. Like people properly, properly like I follow people on Twitter who stand these films, and I'm like, I just don't see it. I just don't get it. No, that's mm. like you know we've said it loads of times. You know when the Transformers films sort of basically ignored the, the human element of it, um, like Pacific Rim as well. They don't have very well fleshed out human characters. You just sort of think, why? You know. There's nothing particularly interesting about a big ape fighting a big lizard because mm. at the end of the day, you know, they, there's not too much creativity you can do with that. You're just going to throw him into a building and punch him and he'll mm. try and bite you. Like, you're not going to want to watch that for two hours. So, True. yeah, yeah, it's fine. I was just happy to be back in the cinema. But. Yeah. <laughs> how are you feeling about, like, how was it for you, the actual, like, cinema experience? That film was it, it was good because I I get into that headspace of like I can't check my phone mm. because the, you know the screen would kind of light up and you get people tutting at you and um, just sitting there and knowing that you know the purpose is to just watch this mm. um, and even the adverts before the trailer which I generally hate. I was like, oh, I'll take it. I'll take a Skoda advert right now. It's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was fine. Um, it's not quite the same at the moment because you've not got a full cinema. So yeah. you're not... And, and also the films that come out, maybe Godzilla vs. Kong would have been one, but you're not getting people being like, oh, you know, cheering or yeah. kind of gasping, um, which you might do if there's like Black Widow or James Bond. So, But what about you? Yeah, I feel the same as you. I was, I was trying to say I was just more... Than anything, I was just happy to be back in the cinema. Um, I would say that, like, I don't mind the whole um, social distancing thing because one of my biggest things in this, when I used to go before all of this happened, was that I used to think, where can I sit when no one's going to sit next to me? So <laughs> 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 at least now I can kind of sit, book where I want, and then automatically they do the social distance thing. So like, either side of you, they won't, there won't be anyone sitting there. So I'm like, yes, yeah, it's sweet. Um, <laughs> that aside, yeah. It's not been the same, obviously, because, like, well, when I went to see Lord of the Rings, I had a fair few amount of people in it, but still not a lot. And then the other two films I saw, like, it was pretty pretty um, scarce. So, yeah, the atmosphere is not quite there. So I'm kind of waiting for, like, the, for the, uh, the what's it called? The uh, restrictions to kind of come down so, like, people are more interested in coming to cinema. And also, it's another thing that I'm just interested in general to see if people are going to start coming to the cinema properly again because obviously we spent a year and a bit where people have been kind of watching stuff from their home. So, like I said earlier, like I feel like a lot of people aren't like like us who are rushing to get back to the cinema. A lot of people enjoy being in the comfort of their own home. So, I'm curious to know if when everything is back to normal with inverted commas, if people will start rushing back to the cinema again. So, yeah, because like for all we you know, this this might be like how it is forever I hope not yeah. because obviously some of the best times you experience in cinema is when there's a big crowd of people but um, and yeah, if, they're no not, if, if they don't draw those crowds back then you know they're not going to be able to operate for much longer because yeah. you know a cinema would have to be like probably 80% full and, and 50% of those people buying concessions stuff yeah. to, for them to make a profit or yeah. I mean I don't know that's just speculation but you know I think they've got quite fine margins hence why the popcorn costs like eight quid so mm. um what would you yeah. say is like the first like test of like whether or not cinemas are going to go back to normal like in terms of like a film uh, 
That is a good question. I'm just going to try and find out what's being released. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking Black Widow, but then I was thinking, do that many people actually care about a Black Widow film? Wasn't. I was a bit like, mm, maybe not. Probably not. Not. Yeah. I mean, if it was like Endgame or something. Then yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. But I mean, Black Widow because you know she's already dead and it's like a prequel. Yeah. So, um, so let's see. I mean, Cruella's coming out. I feel like that's got would have quite a wide appeal with it being Disney, but. Mm. Um, maybe it will be like too dark for kids. I don't know. Um, I feel like Corella's not, not had any good marketing either. I don't know if you feel similar, but I, the only trades I've seen for it have been on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> like, there's no like normally maybe you get like a bus ad or two, and you get some ads on the TV in between the football and stuff like that. And I haven't seen anything apart from what I, I've seen I on Twitter. I've seen a I've seen a couple of bus ads, but yeah, okay. not not I know what you mean. So it seems like on the Odeon website anyway, one of the next huge films to come out is Fast and Furious 9. So considering the last two or three of those made like over a billion, I Mm. imagine like if that one does well, then that would be like a good benchmark. Mm. Because if it takes like 300 million, then you're like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The industry is fucked. But Yeah. um, yeah, you've got, you've got the Suicide, no, Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, so it would be interesting. Uh, it's far away. Right it's very, to... I was like, it's very far away. But if the Spider-Man film doesn't do massive numbers, then I'll say the industry's fucked. <laughs> yeah, so I'm expecting that film to like in a normal world, that film would be doing stupid numbers. Yeah, I think. Yeah, probably to two. Imagine two billion. Yeah, um, yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so Cruella, then Fast 9, Black Widow, Space Jam 2, that might have a broad appeal. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Fast 9 will be a good benchmark. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, completely different to Fast 9. Um, the other film I saw in a cinema was called The Unholy, which um, is a horror film, uh, as you could probably tell by the title. Mm. Um, there are quite a lot of, well, there are quite a few horrors out at the moment. Obviously, Spiral, The Unholy, and you've got um, The Conjuring Three coming out next week. Um, again, I imagine because they don't they don't cost that much to make, and so you know their their margins are you know they can potentially earn quite a lot of money without being shown or having full uh, theaters. But um, it I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't ever see a trailer for this. Um, I was just like, eh, it's on mm. it's a horror film, so I can't watch it. Um, but essentially, it's about it follows um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's Negan in uh, The Walking Dead. Um, he plays a disgraced journalist who basically used to fabricate stories to like get more readers, um, and then he got found out and is now kind of doing kind of odd kind of regional paper kind of stories. Um, and he comes across this farmer who says that his cow's been like branded, um, and then he goes there and he realizes that it's it's not; it was just some kids or something. But he he comes across this little like this weird old tree and like a doll, um, creepy looking porcelain doll, and it has like chains around it, and it says February thirty first, nineteen eighteen forty five or something, and. Mm. Right at the beginning of the film, you see someone being 
ritually burnt at this tree like hundreds of years ago. So he sees it and is like, oh, I can, you know, try and use this with the cow branding to like, you know, drive up some interest. And, and so he smashes the doll and takes a picture of it. And then all of a sudden this girl who's been deaf and mute for her whole life all of a sudden starts talking uh, towards this tree and she says oh Mary come to me and blah 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 um, and essentially you, so she claims that the Virgin Mary is talking to her and then she starts performing all these miracles uh, like making like a disabled person stand up and curing like um, lung cancer and things like this so all of a sudden this church and their congregation sort of think that they're being um, chosen by God and their town becomes a bit of like a, a pilgrimage place, like mm. lords or um, other places across the world. And he's there like documenting it, but obviously people are like, nah, you're making this up. Uh, and then he slowly realises that actually the spirit that's doing all of these miracles is actually a demon and is actually people are pledging their souls to this demon um, rather than the Virgin Mary. And so then he tries to, um, essentially this demon feeds off of faith. So the only way to get rid of faith is to cast doubt. And so he has to, he, he you know, he says that he's fabricated the whole thing to try and stop all of this happening. And it was, it relied on jump scares. Okay. Which You're not a big not fan of that, are you? Yeah. No, I'm not. And they they didn't work. It was it was very very generic. Mm. It was very insidiousy, like, you know, you see a hooded figure and then bang it's in front of you, but uh, whatever. Um but I thought the rest of it were like was actually quite interesting. Um it actually had like a relatively interesting plot. So I think the idea of a disgraced journalist encountering something supernatural um and then having like having people not believe him mm. uh, is interesting then they they bring a uh, someone from the vatican to because they're talking about it as being a miracle and he says oh well for it to be a miracle it has to meet these criteria so he's also trying to disprove it um and then the whole idea of this thing happening and it becoming like a tourist attraction mm. again i found quite interesting um so it did work on quite a few levels uh, okay. it's just unfortunately they did rely on it being you know quite quite bang and uh you know but you know that's the cheap thrills and mm. <laughs> you're never gonna not get that happening but yeah i thought it was okay it was um a lot better than a lot of the generic horror films i've seen recently and i imagine the conjuring will be heavily reliant on you know jumps you know, fake jump scares. Yeah. So when I, I think that's what the trailer for that, actually. I'm seeing it on Tuesday because there's an Odeon member screening for it. Um, yeah, I've got the email, I think. Yeah. Not, <laughs> and you're like, gonna, delete. Yeah, in it. Not going to fucking do that <laughs> shit. The hell? Is it the one with, um, I can't remember one specific bit of it. But, no, it's where they're, they're saying, um, they're talking about being in court and saying you have to swear on the Bible, blah, blah, blah. So maybe we should talk talking about the devil. Is it that one? I don't know. I don't know if I've seen the trailer. Oh, okay. Never but, mind. Um, is Patrick Wilson in it? Patrick yes. Wilson? Okay, yes. yeah, that's one. Cool. 
but in this film, the unholy, like one of the Vatican priests tries to like read a section from the Bible to get rid of the demon, and the mm. demon turns the ink, like makes the ink run, so you can't read it anymore. I mm. thought that was quite cool as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, for within its genre, I would say it's like a seven okay. out of ten in terms of actual film itself. Like if you'd say it was like a six, but yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I imagine. The Conjuring will be a lot more generic than this, but yeah, okay, we shall see. Um, but yeah, so that's what's been out in the cinema. What are you um, hoping to see in the next week or two? Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to see Cruella. Um, cause I think, I, like you said, that looks pretty interesting, and I think Emma Stone is quite an underrated, maybe not underrated, but I just feel like she's an actress who's who nobody really talks about that much. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's, she's really good in most of the stuff that I've seen her anyway. So yeah, I look forward to that. I think that's going to be pretty good. Other than that, <laughs> um, you could have to, might have to remind me what's out because that was the only one that I looked at and I thought, okay, yeah, I might watch this. Um, I think Lord of the Rings Two Towers is out soon. Um, they're going to show that soon because they've been showing Fellowship of the Ring uh, recently. Um, yeah, so tell I'm... us about that. So you were a bit of a detractor, and we've always bantered Ollie about it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, a bit of background for humble pie, yeah. Yeah, slightly, slightly humble pie. Um, <laughs> I've, as long as I've known Ollie, he's been banging, and that's going on 15 years probably. Um, he's been banging on about Lord of the Rings and how good it is, blah, 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 and how obsessed he is. And me, Glenn, whoever else, used to always take the piss out of him, saying Lord of the Rings is shit, blah, 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 blah like, <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> Not that I've ever, like, actually, like, properly watched it in the full capacity. Um, it's just the gender, is Exactly, it? yeah, gender over facts, obviously. <laughs> um, but I watched it, so maybe two years ago, a year and a half ago, I watched it on DVD. Uh, I watched it in two parts. Um, I watched it late at night when I was very tired both times, both nights. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's what in a whatever film, you know? Mm. And then I've, I've got all the one DVD, but then I'm thinking like, maybe this is something like a thing that I have to watch in the, in the cinema to get like the actual, to get it. Do you know what I mean? Um, so they're showing it in the view, um, not Odin, because Odin's fucking shit right now. Um, I decided to go and watch it in view. And do you know what? I've really enjoyed it. And I hate to say it because I spent so long, I hate to report back to you, mate, because I really fucking like it. It's jarring. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know what it is. Just the whole, like, the whole, like, I think uh, the music in it plays a really, really big part of me enjoying it. I think the, mu- the score in, the, in Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings, is, like, spot on. For every moment and every emotion that you're supposed to be feeling, I think the music conveys that really well. Um, and there was one moment, yeah, that I almost, literally I started almost started tearing up. I think it was it's like right at the end with um, uh, when Frodo is uh, swimming off in the, like the little boat thing, and then um, Samwell is like he's like coming like Mr. Frodo, Mr. Frodo, and he's like <laughs> trying to swim, and he's like drowning, drowning like trying to um, get to Friday. Friday pulls him back up in the boat and he was like um, saying about what um, Gandalf said to him like don't you leave him Samuel Ganji and I mean not to and then they were like I was like alright even now I'm like I'm thinking like oh shit yeah that probably got me I think I just buy like the I buy the the camaraderie between all okay. of them and I think the, their lines are all delivered especially um, Vigo what's his name Vigo that's the one um, is uh, what's his name Aragon isn't it um, he, I think, hit like the 
I think the the the, the story's really well written. Obviously, it comes from a really famous book, so you wouldn't so you'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, but like, I think their line delivery as well is so, like really really believable. Um, and Ian McKellen's just great as well. Uh, I think I've only seen him in like maybe like five films, and every film he's in, I'm like, yeah, you're sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, I don't know. It's just like, and especially well for something that was made in 2002 or 2001, whenever it was. I feel like it doesn't look like like it doesn't look like super old. Whereas like when I went back and I watched um, uh, Spider Man, mm-hmm. like I was a bit like, oh, this looks a bit ropey to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to that, and I would like to, I'll, I'm be surprised if um, Lord of the Rings didn't spend. No, Lord of the Rings probably spent more more budget to be fair. So, but yeah, man, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it, and I, and I like the fact that um, like it's not like a bookend story. Like this is just like, this is just part one of a three part story. Like, there's still more to go. And the fact that they left it on there, like I was thinking, like there must have been about twenty minutes left in the film. I was like, I oh, said, so, like, are they going to get to fucking Mordor and like sort this out? Like or what? Like, <laughs> I was like what the fuck? And then they were like, oh yeah, we're go- basically like we're on our way now. And I was like, oh shit, there's still like like the story's not finished. Like and that actually makes me want to watch the next one and the one after that. So yeah, man. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, he's, he's humble pie. Yeah. Okay. Well, Obi gives a, a public apology to Ollie. Yeah. Um, I, w- I do want to watch it because the times I have attempted it, like you said, have been like late at night. Or I've just not been comfortable, or mm. you know, it's a long ass film. So I do. Yeah, maybe going to see it in a cinema would be the best kind of way to do that. Um, so are you a bit more excited for the Amazon show then? Yeah, I am, to be fair. Um, I would like, yeah, I think I always plan to watch the films so at least I would have, like, some background knowledge of what was going on in the world. But I think it's even better now that I'm actually, like, enjoying watching them. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to see what they're going to bring to the story because I think it's going to be set before Lord of the Rings, right? I have no idea. <laughs> fair enough. But, um, and I think I want to watch the Hobbit films as well, but um, I think people say they're not like, they're not very good, so... I might wait until after I've watched the trilogy to watch the Hobbit films. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't taint my uh, experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, in answer to your earlier question about what else out, there's a film called Those Who Wish Me Dead with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, so then I've got one so- good review from that from Connor. So I might go watch that too. Okay. Well, I, think then just, I think he just really likes Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't blame him. Then there's the Oscar-y one, so Sound of Metal, Nomadland and Minari are out in cinemas, in some places anyway, yeah. not, not where I am. Um, <laughs> Peter Rabbit 2, uh, Conjuring 3, A Quiet Place 2, which I imagine you won't see. Um, uh, no, probably not. <laughs> that is like, kind of more, more like a better level of scary than mm-hmm. jump scares. It so. sounds very like even when I was watching the trailer, I was like, "This is bare tense." Like I can't take it. It is, yeah. It, I mean, it's brilliantly done. The first one was was incredible, but mm-hmm. yeah, if if you don't like it, then uh, you will hate. If you don't like jump scares or just any sort of fright, you're not going to like this at all. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but I mean, on to non-cinematic new releases. Um, so we'll start with Mitchell's versus the Machines. Uh, so this is like a computer animated like sci-fi family comedy mm-hmm. um i think it was produced by lord and miller who did like yeah. uh 21 jump street and cloudy of chance meatballs it is very much like their humor mm-hmm. um 
and it's very colourful and mm. funny and, you know, pokes fun at kind of modern society. But essentially it's uh, a, a, yeah, a family, uh, mum, dad, girl and boy, and um, they do a road trip uh, and then there's another kind of subplot where this tech guy like creates an app and um, upgrades the app to like robots and then discards the old app so pisses off <laughs> the app yeah. and then turns all the robots evil yeah. um, it was, and, sorry just to up you really quickly it was really funny when he was like not funny but kind of dumb when he was like um, oh yeah don't worry these robots aren't going to take over the world and literally I think 30 seconds later <laughs> they went evil and decided to take over the world but yeah anyway, yeah continue um, and then they're like well, they put all the humans in hexagons for some reason. I can't quite remember what they were going to do with them. But um, I think they're going to shoot them off into the space or something. something like that, yeah. um, but then due to the Mitchell's kind of family trait of being a bit inept, they, they sort of uh, stumble their way to avoiding being captured by the robots and kind of work together you know, to defeat them, uh, along with two malfunctioning robots who are pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, it's the standard kind of family drama, but they learn to work together and love each other for who they are. So it's all that very kind of mushy kind of um, plot. But, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the comedy in it was right up my street. Um, you know, it has the classic. I feel like in every animation film now, there is a an animal of some sort with some form of like weird eye thing mm. so there was a chicken in is it moana had a chicken that like was just a bit stupid this was a pug um there was one in soul as well the cat would do weird shit so that's a trope that works but uh the the, the malfunctioning robots were very funny as well um yeah i just really enjoyed this film it was colorful it was frenetic and yeah what did you think? I completely agree with you. Like, I've proper enjoyed it. Like, there was just, I was just thinking, like, I started giggling a minute ago because there was one moment in particular I was we round about three times. It was the bit where, um, where the dad, obviously, they started their road trip and the dad's, I think, they with the horses or, the don- or their donkeys or mules or something like that. And he's basically mm. saying, like, what's the worst that could go wrong? And then the next scene is, like, terrible, like, torrential rain and they're on a cliff and they're like, oh, what about whatever the horse's name is. What about Bill? Whatever his name is. It's like, Bill belongs to the, to the mountains now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, li- I was dying with laughter. Um, but yeah, I think it's very like, um, you can tell like the, the style of humour is very like, you know, like that 21 Jump Street sort of thing. Um, probably quite, I'd say that's probably more like modern humour now. Um, uh, the, the story itself, I think is like, like the whole robot taking over the world thing is very, obviously, like played out and we know it is but i like the spin of the take on it about like this family of misfits that come to that, that come together and kind of like um save the world along with like the undertones of like the uh where i feel like a lot of maybe a lot of kids can relate to of like like you feeling like you've kind of like outgrown your parents or like people around you never really get you like a lot of the people that we know they couldn't wait to like leave home and go to uni and stuff like that um yeah so i feel like that was quite like a, even then that little probably like site like b plot or something that probably a lot of people can um relate to when they're watching it and yeah but i liked the um the what's it called the uh 
the little boy. I thought he was bare funny. The fact that he had like a grown man voice just made me laugh. And he, <laughs> yeah. he was just saying bare stuff. Like when he was talking to the girl and he was like, they would be like connecting. He's like, oh, I hate you. And just fucking run away. I, I hate funny. dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And um, even even the mum like, got a little bit of shine at the end when she started going sick on the robot and all that. I just thought it was bare funny. <laughs> and even like, I had like the bit with, um, at the end where the dad and the daughter are like uh, singing along to the Rihanna song and then they're, as they're fighting their own but I thought that was jokes yeah man, I just think it's like, it's like a feel good movie I think I saw the trailer I was like this looks amusing so it didn't disappoint me in that, in that sense I was just amused by it and I had fun watching it and if they put out a sequel I'd probably watch that as well I, it's one of those films that like I would never have watched if you hadn't have said mm. did it mm. but it was like pleasantly surprising so mm. Yeah, I think Lord and Miller do that quite well. Is they they obviously know how to appeal to like the young audience, but then they've got like the humour and um, which isn't necessarily like innuendo, but it's the things that they take the piss out of or um, make reference to. You're sort of like I, I get that, you know. Like there was sort of like a didn't they mention like Dawn of the Dead when they go into the shopping mall and there's all the Furby so. and yeah. it's like oh yeah, the Furby thing was jokes as well, yeah. And like kids are never going to get that, but you you're like, yeah, I can see where you're getting Dawn of the Dead from, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it makes me feel like, ah, you're appealing to me as well. Um, So yeah, it was good, and uh, I could definitely empathise with the whole, uh, you know, the parent not getting like film as a as a as a series. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, Catchman, you know, Mm -hmm. I felt I felt for uh, what was her name, Katie. Uh-huh. Um, and then, I mean, I just want to mention uh, a film that came out on Netflix uh, called The Woman in the Window. So this was supposed to come out in the cinema. And I don't know if you ever saw the trailer. Um, no. The trailer came out about a year ago and it looked really interesting. So it was very, it was giving me rear window vibes, the Hitchcock film, mm. or um, more recently like Disturbia. Yeah. So, uh, Amy Adams plays a psychologist, um, who is agoraphobic. So she's frightened of going outside. Um, and she's, she's a psychologist. She's afraid of going outside. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and she's separated from her husband and daughter. And then, so like, she basically spends a lot of time looking at her window and then like a new family move in. Um, and basically she witnesses, like, one of the the mother of the family across the road comes to just introduce herself uh, and they chat. And then a couple of days later, she witnesses her getting murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so she's like calling the police and the police come around and bring that family over. And the husband brings this woman. He's like, oh, no, this is Jane. She's like, no, I've met Jane. Um, but because she, she drinks and takes pills and stuff, they're like... Um, She's unreliable and stuff. So it has an interesting plot. Well, starts off interesting idea. Sort of just like loses its way quite quickly. They don't ever really dwell too much on like the who done it element of mm. like, is she mad or is she, you know, is she being kind of duped by the husband? Um, it's sort of more focused on just her mental state collapsing and people just being like, you're weird, go away. Um, and then by the end, um, it turns into this like 
really terrible like slasher homage. So I don't know if you've ever seen kind of films from like the seventies and eighties that are like slasher horrors and um, they just have like weird camera angles and everyone's like tripping up the stairs dramatically, being like, oh, you know, and it's very OTT. But they sort of ended up the the, like the last third of it sort of has that vibe and it just doesn't mesh well together at all. Mm. Um, And so what starts out as quite promising, like if they'd kept it as you know, her being housebound and witnessing these crimes and trying to prove them, which essentially is what happens in Rear Window. Um, and they actually do reference Rear Window explicitly in this film, mm-hmm. which, again, annoyed me because it's like, we know what you're trying to do, but the fact that you're referencing what you're trying to do and not doing it very well yeah. it makes your film even worse. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it doesn't, it didn't blend well. And it was... A film in, in production hell, really, because they had a first cut of it, which apparently did terribly with like test audiences, mm. and then so they sort of like recut it, or and and then the pandemic hit, and then yeah, it just got binned onto Netflix. So it's one of these films, though, that I've seen a lot of people on Twitter being like, "Oh, that was so good," in the same way that it's the same people that enjoyed Behind Her Eyes, I think. Oh yeah, that's so, shit program. Yeah. So people that enjoyed Behind Her Eyes are enjoying this. Um, and for me, I was like, nah, not for me. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is a shame, because when I saw the initial trailer, I thought it had a lot of promise. That's a shame. But, yeah. So was it... What, did you... Was there a point in the film where you were like, okay, yeah, this is like... <laughs> you know when you think, like, okay, this film might get better... Like, was there a point where you were like, no, this is just bad? <laughs> or um, did you think, at, was it like, at a point where you were like, okay, this film's alright, and then it just got really bad, or did it just start bad and just kept being bad? No, it started off okay, because you are sort of like, you know, is is Amy Adams' character an unreliable narrator? Because obviously we basically, what we're seeing is, you know, not directly through her eyes, but, mm. you know, we we see her interact with Jane, and then all of a sudden another woman turns up claiming to be Jane and she's like asked it. she has a lodger and she's like, oh, did you meet Jane? Or she's trying to find a picture of her or something like that. Um, and she's like Googles the husband's um, name and, and he's relocated because he got fired for like an employee like drowning or falling from a building or something. And so yeah. you sort of think, oh, maybe he is a killer and is, is like, um, yeah, maybe she's got a point. But then it just sort of, becomes less interested in whether anyone across the road is actually killing people and more to do with the fact that she starts like popping pills and like just a generic sort of like you know alcoholic character that happens so often in film um they're usually journalists but in this case she was a psychologist um and then yeah and then it just really lost its way so i don't know what happened there but they should have just kept with that kind of mystery and then, I mean, I will spoil it. So, the, essentially, it turns out that the son is the one who killed. So, this Jane that Amy Adams' character met is his biological mother, and the mm. woman that the husband brings is the stepmother. But he killed. He is developing a taste for killing people. But that just comes out of absolute nowhere. Yeah. And it was like such a felt like such a forced plot device like oh we'll just make him a killer and then that's when it turns into like terrible slasher and yeah i mean i I looked at it and i was like well amy 
me, Adam, what are you, why did you choose to do this? Like, <laughs> did you just, were you not happy with the screen time you got in the three Superman films, like from DC, mm. <laughs> and you just wanted to be the centre of attention? I don't know, I was like, nah, you're, you're better than this, Amy. Yeah. Um, so, you. yeah. Or five, maybe, at a push out of ten. Fair enough. Yes. The damning Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm got, yeah, I wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't want to pay money to see it, I'll put it that way. Mm. Um, but, yeah, sort of briefly mentioning um, DC, Zack Schneider's got another stupidly long film out, yeah. um, Army of the Dead. So you started watching it. Uh-huh. Two and a half hours long. Yes. How are you finding it so far? Zombie heist film. Oh, I'm not going to lie. Um, there's a couple of really cool action scenes, which we all know Zack Snyder does well. But I am bored. And oh, really? the, Yeah, and it might be the time of the day that I was watching it, because I did watch it at midnight, and I had just gone back from watching Spiral, and I thought, let me stick this on. So it might have been the time of the day I was watching it. But I was an hour and a half in, and I was like, I'm bored stiff. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I feel like this film I think Dave Bautista is supposed to be the main character and he's not he's not a main character actor he is a side character he's like a supporting character at best for me mm. and this film is supposed to be I suppose kind of like it's obviously a heist film so I suppose it's kind of supposed to be like an ensemble but this is just a lot of a load of side characters nobody really takes the reins as like the main person like I don't care about anybody in this film um the actual story is is interesting and i feel like there's some sort of like maybe plot twist coming soon um so but the actual the story is more interesting than the people portraying it if that makes any sense um okay but yeah like obviously like, like there are some cool actiony bits like there was one fight scene in particular that was really sick um and i'm hoping there's a few more before the end but yeah man I, i'm finding it a bit dry if i'm being honest why can't he just make a, a, a normal length film? This is it. Like a zombie, like a zombie film should be absolute maximum two hours, absolute maximum. Like for me, probably one hour forty-five. If I'm being honest. Yeah. And like, I think he's trying to fit it with a lot. Well, I'm saying he's, he's not really trying to fit it with backstory. To be fair, the, the, the in this hour and a half, most of it has just been do, him them doing like recruiting, I guess. So yeah, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'll finish it and we'll see what he said was saying, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of it so far. Okay, I will watch it, but trying to find two and a half hours to like. Yeah, I know, I know. You know. Just quickly, um, so I want to watch this this TV show. Um, I don't know if you've seen any uh, promo for it um, on Prime or like on Twitter and stuff, but it's called Solos. No. Um, so it's I don't know what it's about i think it's someone said it's like trying to be like black mirror um and i feel like trying to be so the the uh, what's it called the synopsis for it is character driven stories explore the strange beautiful heartbreaking hilarious and wondrous truths behind what it means to be human right so that sounds pretty interesting and then yeah. the cast is um anne hathaway helen mirren constance Wu, morgan freeman anthony mackie uzo aduba dan stevens and nicole bahari who's the woman from uh Black Mirror, who I was talking about, I think it was last week and the week before, who was beautiful, and I, well, I watch her in anything. Um, <laughs> so this, that, it's a pretty stacked cast, but the reviews are fucking horrible. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> really, like, really, like, just saying it's dull, it's boring, 
like 5.4 and IMDb. I'm just like, right, this is so disappointing. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna watch it um, just to give it a go. At least watch the first episode because I think the first episode is directed by Zach Braff, who is JD on Scrubs. For anyone who doesn't know, um, and apparently it's like a really like beautiful episode. So I'm gonna at least give it a try um, and see what it's all about, kind of thing. And maybe because maybe it's one of the things where like people are being like critics are being like pretentious, maybe, and it's actually better than they're saying. But yeah, I want to give it a chance. But I say all that to say this is that um, how are you feeling? Because we were just talking about like, Netflix original. How are you feeling about like Amazon Prime's like original inverted commas like material? I mean, maybe it's the fact that their um, interface is terrible. Yeah. So it's not as if like it's shouting at me like, "Hey, we've got a new series out." Mm. Um, it's quite difficult to find, mm. uh, and they don't seem to do tons of promo. Not that mm. I see anyway, but. I mean, I know there's one out called The Underground Railroad, I think. Yeah, I, I want to watch Barry, that as well. I think Barry Jenkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that might be interesting. But I started watching um, Them, which oh, yeah. uh, is uh, sort of... It's about um, an African-American family in the 60s moving to a predominantly white area. And um, there's some like supernatural stuff going on as well as a lot of uncomfortably overt racism but mm. um to the point where i'm like this is gratuitous it's it's like i don't know what you're i mean i know what point you're making but i also not quite sure you need to make it in that way but hey ho um mm. but, but yeah i mean they they evidently pump a lot of money into things and they've got like they they sort of attract good stars but that doesn't mean that what they're producing is very good yeah um you know, I think Apple TV maybe did that when they were introducing all their stuff. It was like, oh, we've got um, these ones, like Reese Witherspoon and we've got Jennifer Aniston. And it's like, OK, but, you know, I've not heard huge things, huge positive stuff about the series. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't really know what else is their original content, really. I never watched Man in the High Castle. Um Neither did I, but the premise of that story I always found super interesting. I think I watched maybe one episode and I kind of didn't continue. I like the boys. Um, wasn't super keen on Invincible for the majority of it, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I think they just need to make it a lot more accessible. Just have a whole section and like, hey, this is what we're, this is what we've spent all our own money on. <laughs> you know, mm. watch it, please. Um, and. Yeah, I don't know. They don't seem to have, like... Again, maybe it's just because they don't market it or display it very well, but a lot of their stuff seems to be quite on a similar vibe. So you've got the superhero stuff with the boys and Invincible, and then you've got, like, the kind of stories about, like, black subjugation, which is yeah. like the Underground Railroad. And I'm like, do you, do you have any other genres that you want to dabble in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's very, like... um you know with like netflix as well they do like they'll have like they have like categories as well kind of and it'll be like i don't know like british political thrillers or you know for mm-hmm. me it's a lot of time was like um celebrated black stories or something like that whereas like <laughs> amazon is kind of just like we think you might like this and it's just a load of random pish posh of <laughs> stuff that like not connected to each other at all and there's no like i feel like maybe their algorithm algorithms at the right word whatever yeah. it is is just um not up to scratch maybe 
Um, so like any all any of the things that I watch at Amazon, none of them are like each other. If that makes any sense whatsoever, um, it's all just different stuff. Um, and I never get really. I've never watched anything on Amazon and then been like, and then have them recommend something that's similar to what I watched before. That like I've watched three seasons of something and they say, oh yeah, you should watch this. I like they've never I've never had that from them, so it doesn't even entice me to watch any more stuff. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. I think something's wrong with their their whole system. <laughs> Absolutely. But like we said last week, I think it was maybe they just don't really give a shit. <laughs> maybe. Which is a shame because you know evidently they've got a lot of money behind them. So if they were to properly, you know, do their time, maybe have like a don't some networks do like pilot seasons? You just you know get like four or five shows, give them a pilot, and then decide uh which ones that you want to pick up so yeah yeah they need to market it better display it better um sure and maybe just diversify what they are investing in so it doesn't seem all so similar um just a random question um while we're chatting you know just chopping up two boys um (laughs) what um what genre do you think is like lacking from streaming services because we get like a lot of I feel like we get a lot of superhero stuff we get a lot of mm-hmm. like um, we get quite a bit of, I think well you could be wrong but like a bit of horror mystery stuff um, what do you think like we don't get a lot of that we should get more of um, I'm not sure I am aware of any like original sitcoms okay that's um, actually, yeah. Afterlife is not, I wouldn't say is a sitcom. Mm. Um, it's like a dramedy. Um, I mean, obviously, they, like Netflix has things like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl and all that stuff, but they're not originals, are they? So mm. I feel like that might be, yeah. Is that a sign of the times? Because we don't get a lot of sitcoms in general, I feel like, anymore. That yeah, popular, that popular anyway. It's a strange one, because, yeah, the, you, there was maybe like the... The early noughties through to the mid 2010s was when you had like Big Bang Theory, mm. How I Met Your Mother, like all of those things were like, they had a lot of, of similarities. Mm. Um, and then maybe it was just like of its era. You know, The Office has come to an end, yeah. uh, or the American one anyway. Um, all of those other shows that we just mentioned have, have sort of stopped. Brooklyn Nine Nine's mm. coming to an end. So yep. yeah, I, I don't know what the next wave of comedy show's going to look like um, I think that's probably an untapped area mm. did you have any in mind when you were posing that question you want um, more teen angst don't you no there's plenty of teen angst in <laughs> there's, pl- there's plenty there's enough for me to fill my boots um, <laughs> yeah and I don't know in general I feel like um, I feel like I don't get I feel like there is a lot, but I don't get loads of sci-fi that I actually want to watch. Like, any sci-fi that I see, I feel like is, and that I've tried, is either just not very good or it's, like, boring. Um, mm. I think I tried Altered Carbon. Didn't like that. I thought it was kind of rubbish. I tried uh, Lost in Space. That was boring. Didn't really like that either. And I'm trying The Expanse now, to be fair, The Expanse, although I don't think it's actually an Amazon original. I think it's come from America. But, um, and that's, pretty good but yeah other than that I just don't know I feel like I'm, 
I'm kind of just like tapping into like my my um my actual like fondness for sci-fi and there's not a lot for me to like get stuck into kind of thing so I feel like I'd like a bit more sci-fi stuff on there basically I just want to see like some something related to Star Wars <laughs> but it's like not actually Star Wars so you want you want Netflix to produce The Mandalorian essentially basically yeah <laughs> so, um, but yeah other than that I don't know we don't get a lot of um, like you said the sitcom thing I think is absolutely absolutely correct and I'm a sitcom guy as well so like that's like my my that'd be like my go-to like comfort watch like uh, sitcoms um so i would like a bit more of that and yeah i don't know do you find it weird that like you don't really get obviously like rom-com is like a film genre but it's not really a tv genre um yeah i guess i guess some of these sitcoms have like elements or subplots of like rom-com but but I know what you mean. Like, it's not purely this is guy meets girl, falls in love with girl, loses mm. girl, gets girl back. Like, mm. but that, yeah, maybe, maybe just doing that over a longer form it might not, might not work. That's true. Yeah, I mean, there's elements. Um, obviously, like Jake and Amy is the whole thing in mm. Brooklyn Nine Nine. You had Ross and Rachel, but mm. would you, would you class? that series as a whole is rom-com probably not no that's an interesting point um I wonder how that would work mm. yeah like in general I'm not really I think it's just a question that popped into my head and I thought I would ask it because I think I'm I've been saying this for a while now I'm not there's no shows right now that I'm like like hooked into like properly hooked like, and I'm itching for like the next episode to come out kind of thing like I had a little bit of um with uh, One Division, you know, a little bit. Kind of had it with Mandalorian, to be fair. But, mm. like, I'm still waiting for that Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, you know, show where I'm like, I have to watch this as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, and I feel like, I feel like, even with the superhero stuff, like, I love it, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, but, like, it's just becoming to a point now where, like, I need something different to hook me in and I need something engaging because um, like for me if there's something superhero I'm automatically at least interested but I need something other than that that engage like another different genre that actually engages me and makes me want to like like makes me love it love it I haven't loved the show I mean Mandalorian aside I suppose I really did I really really enjoyed Mandalorian but that aside like I haven't loved the show since, since I don't even know since when Maybe you've seen seen six game friends, maybe. Do you think when the sequel or the spin off, shall we say, to Game of Thrones comes out, do you think like that might have the potential or do you just want something like completely new and different? Um Do I think it has the potential? First question. Probably probably not, because I don't trust uh <laughs> the, these writers to to write something off their own backs, if that makes any sense. Like, we kind of saw the, the avenue that Game of Thrones went down when they didn't have, like, solid book information to go off of. And um, they kind of had to do, like, their own little thing. So I feel like that TV show is going to be more of this, which I don't mind. If you'd taken season seven and season eight of Game of Thrones and that had just been, like, take away the first six seasons, that had just been, like, a regular TV show, I wouldn't have said, oh, yeah, this is horrible. Like, it would have been an okay show, whereas I feel like this this one will be an okay show. 
but it won't be Game of Thrones peak, Game of Thrones level. Like, um, so yeah, I, d- I don't think we'll see it from that. I doubt it. Um, and I com- completely forgot what your second question was. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I think I think it's tough, isn't it? Because inevitably, when when a show or a film formula works, inevitably everyone is like, either it gets compared to it, which might not be accurate mm. or they like oh we have to try and recreate this in some form so like mm. i think westworld you know season one was good but i don't think the other series have quite you know had the same critical mm. acclaim and then you had things like um american gods you know yeah. trying to sort of do that whole kind of like adult um i guess that's what what they've got in common, isn't it? Really, it's that like they're trying to appeal to like an actual adult, mature audience yeah. um, with like lots of violence and sex and yeah. nudity and stuff like that. Um, and then, what did I watch the other day? It was bare sex scenes, and I was like, "This is so fucking over the top." God, pa- really not... power. <laughs> yeah, it was worse than power. What was I watching? Wow, it's really, it's really annoying me that I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was. I don't know if you've seen trailers for it, but it's a film called Startup on uh, I think it's on Prime and on Netflix now, actually. Um, but I was watching it and I was thinking like there was literally it, I can't there was four sex scenes in the first fifteen minutes and I was oh, like really? yeah and I was just like you know like it's just like to a point now I know like I get you're trying to make this mature but like you're just overdoing like you're overdoing it where's that that meme it's like you're overdoing it like there's no need for like we get it like this is an adult show like and you know think there adult things are happening but we don't need you know, don't you see like someone's butt every fucking seventeen minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can just you can have that without you can have the maturity without having doesn't necessarily need to be like nudity. And I feel like Game of Thrones was like a kind of a big factor in shows doing that now because obviously the early seasons of Game of Thrones there was like a lot of nudity, male and female, and sexy and stuff like that. So people kind of think, okay, so we need to have that to get people to lock into the show. Maybe not lock into the show, but I don't know. Maybe there's one of the things to take away from Game of Thrones where you think, okay, nudity means that people will take this thing show more seriously or something like that. I don't know. And that's just not the case, really. Yeah. Is that startup the one that's got Martin Freeman in it? Yeah. Okay. I did add that to my watch list, but Yeah. I watched three episodes, to be fair, I'm interested. I'm gonna keep watching it. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean it sounds a bit maybe Ozarky from what I read on the description so I mean Ozark is, is a show that I really liked but I know that you haven't got into it <laughs> yeah I, I think I'll, I'll probably try and give that another go at some point but I don't know it wasn't really working for me someone's going to have that lightning bolt of inspiration and um, I hope so yeah the thing is like HBO were the ones that tend to produce these like you know well made shows um, but then like, after Game of Thrones finished I don't know you know what They've got to step up their game. Amazon have got to make people aware of what their original shows are. Um, I think they do like Jack Ryan, don't they? But again, never seen yeah. that. Um, uh, Jack Ryan's decent, to be fair. But it's another thing where, like, for that, that for me, that genre for me has got twenty four to beat, and twenty four for me is like one of the top, like, one of my favourite shows. And no show that I've watched that similar to that has come close so far. Yeah, we need an event in uh, an event. TV show, don't we? Like, really, really. yeah, like tune in, like not don't release it all at once. You have to 
be patient and discuss it. Yeah. I don't know. Get drafting. Think of your uh, rom-com season <laughs> and uh, get pitched that to Netflix. They've certainly invested in a lot worse. Mm. So. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you've watched recently that you want to discuss? Um, no, not really. I'm kind of rewatching the Spider-Mans right now. I'm not too entirely sure why. I just decided to um, <laughs> make my way through those. And it's disappointing to me that um, the first Spider-Man, although it is, I still think it holds up pretty well, it's n- nowhere near as good as I remember it being, which is a shame. And Tobey Maguire is not nowhere near as good a Spider-Man as I remember him being, because he's quite revered in my heart. as like a He was like my top Spider-Man. Now watching the films again, especially Spider-Man 3, whoo, wow. That film <laughs> is horrible. And like, he's a big part of the reason why that film's horrible. So I'm just like, Jesus Christ. So yeah, he's definitely gone down to my estimations of Spider-Man, so that's upset me quite a bit. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah I mean, I haven't seen Spider-Man 3 since it came out in, like, 2007. Or uh, I, I beg of you to rewatch it now, and I think that film is so bad. And I'd be surprised if you think it's, if you still think it's good when you rewatch it. Okay, because, <laughs> yeah, I remember, it, I remember thinking, oh, it was fine. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Is the Venom in it worse than Tom Hardy's Venom? I was actually I was actually having that debate with myself. <laughs> no, Tom Hardy Venom is worse because Tom Hardy Venom talks. <laughs> he's just, and he's just a prick. I, and that, that's another thing. When I went to the cinema, I saw that stupid fucking Venom trailer again. I was like, oh my oh. god, this trailer is so bad. Yeah, it's probably the worst trailer I've seen in the whole of lockdown. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I hate it so much. Honestly, I hate it. Oh god, that film's gonna be terrible. We're still going to watch it, though, I aren't know, we? Right? I'm a fucking sucker, mate. It's you are a sucker. People like me. This is the fucking problem with the film industry. <laughs> you keep feeding the, you know, ability to produce the stuff. But, you know, I'm exactly the same. So, um, yeah, well, we, we don't practice what we preach, but at least we can be honest about how we feel about them and uh, don't have to pander to you know, some studio being like... Have you ever, like, listened to people give reviews to films that they clearly don't like but yeah <laughs> like, they've I got like a press junkie there honestly the, my, my biggest pet peeve is like I, well for me majoritarily is when people are like I've never listened to podcasts where they get to like they're talking about for example Army of the Dead and they say oh you've got guest star Zack Snyder on the on the podcast and I'm like because you're never going to be honest no you're like, never going to be like Zack this was a bit shit mate yeah and Honestly, like stuff like that really, really grinds my gears because, like, what's the point in listening to you give your opinion about a film when I know your opinion is not genuine because of just trying to please whoever it is you've got um, being a guest on it? And like, I don't give any credit to people who constantly do that. Like, there are some films that people, like, for example, Wonder Woman. Yeah, the amount of rave reviews that Wonder Woman was getting from from people who saw it early, I was like, this. And I watched after watching, I was like, none of you are being genuine. <laughs> absolutely absolutely I reckon most of them were just saying it just so that in the future they could still get like early press releases and stuff like that because that film it's not it's not like garbage but like the amount of rave reviews I saw it some people giving it like 5 out of 5 and I was like there's no way anyone can watch this I think it's a perfect film like yeah you always get that though you get some like random obscure film site who says um, you know The Conjuring 3 is you know, a modern masterpiece. Mm. If Hitchcock was still alive, he would have cried. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they're on like 
the poster and it's like five stars, your average yeah. critics. <laughs> and you're like, who? Who are they? Um, so maybe we should start doing that. Just like any terrible film, just give it five stars, put it on social media, and then we might be on the poster. Maybe. Maybe, you know. Because I want to start getting access to, like, early shit. So I feel like we need to do something. We need to start kissing ass, basically. I know. Yeah, mm. we need to. Anyone got any tips for that? Let us know. But, um, mm. yeah, we will rate your film five stars for <laughs> for 200 quid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> don't know if that's... Maybe I can need to put a disclaimer that that is a <laughs> No, what? If someone offers me 200 pounds, I'll say whatever you like. <laughs> I'll say whatever you want me to say. Yeah, when the money talks, we'll, we will put all of our morals out the window. Of course, mate. I'll be saying this for years. There's very little, there's very few things I won't do for money. <laughs> so, like, Warner Brothers approaching, they're like, Obi, give you a thousand pounds to say Wonder Woman 2 is amazing. Of course. I'll be waxing lyrical about that. I'll be crying. As the, I'll be saying this brought me to tears. But they, they don't have to know if it was a good tears or bad tears. <laughs> I'll be like, why have we all of a sudden lost three podcasts from our archive? <laughs> You'll be like, uh, <laughs> uh, getting rid of the evidence. <laughs> <isn't it>? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, uh, if you want to give us money to uh, pretend to like your film, you can tweet us at yscpodcast17 or contact us on Instagram under Eurofage Critics. Um, yeah, next week um, it will just be. Now that things are coming out in the cinema, we can talk about new releases, and um, and then we're going to do part two of that uh, TV show ranking okay. in a couple of weeks. So that's what's on the agenda. Maybe Chris will join us. But yeah, all right. Until next time. Keep it sexy. <laughs>